Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening in. I really, really appreciate it. Today, we have a wonderful guest for us today. This is Dr. Judy Brangman. Say hi to everyone, Judy. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show. I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, For a little bit about Judy, um, she is a double-boarded certified a physician, both in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. She's actually one of the first that's been board certified in 2017, and she's a wonderful uh, speaker and um, uh, writer, blogger, and doing, doing what she loves, and that's plant-based wellness and nutrition. And she's basically an advocate for many years, and she's been vegan and plant-based for over four years herself. And uh, her goal is to be able to transform the lives of many people as possible using these methods. So my first question to you is, um, you know, I love hearing about individual stories, especially about physicians, um, because we don't really get to talk about the stories of many physicians. And, you know, obviously nutrition, food, and, you know, it's very a hot topic right now. And, you know, right now we've we've always actually had a lot of great body of evidence. And, you know, now we're at a really good time where there's this shift um, in the healthcare world. So I want to hear about how did you get to this point? What is your story? Um, And, you know, how how did you become who you are? Yes, I think that we are definitely in a shift. And um, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Um, So I would say that my journey to kind of being a holistic kind of physician interested in nutrition started when I was younger. I grew up vegetarian for the most part or eating very little animal products. We didn't eat meat. um, Sorry, we didn't eat red meat and Mm -hmm. we didn't eat a lot of processed foods. My parents were basically very, very healthy, so we didn't eat much or any junk food. You know, we had to eat our vegetables before we were able to get dessert. And my mom would make cakes that had, you know, grated carrots in it or reduced sugar. So that's mm-hmm. always been a part of me. So it's not that much of a stretch for me to completely be whole food plant-based now. But it wasn't until residency that I started to question how we can actually prevent people from getting sick. And in mm-hmm. internal medicine residency, we train in places where pe- we're seeing people that are really, really sick, so end-stage, whatever chronic disease that they have, we're seeing the worst complications from it. And I remember always asking my attendings, how can we prevent diabetes, for example? How can we prevent kidney disease? Kidney disease? And mm-hmm. no one knew. They were just like, well, it's genetic or, you know, there's nothing we can do. And I was never satisfied with that answer. I didn't have <laughs> the answer myself, but I was just like, no, there has to be an answer. And I discovered it when someone told me about the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. That's uh, the conference that I went to in, 
I think 2015, maybe. Mm-hmm. I was finished residency at that point. I can't remember when it was. But that mm-hmm. was the first year that I went. And that was the first year that I really realized that there's an abundance of scientific evidence out there supporting food as medicine, essentially. What foods to eat, what lifestyle habits to engage in to reduce your risk for chronic disease. And I was just fascinated and blown away that there are other physicians that are involved with this. And so ever since then, I've just been diving into the research, the knowledge. I've been going to numerous conferences. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just so passionate and driven that I really want to share this information with as many people as possible because I've seen with my own eyes what can happen when you treat your body well, put nutritious foods in your body, sleep well, and move more. And mm-hmm. the example that I have is my parents who are almost in their 70s and they both are living independently, have never had surgery and maybe take one medicine, but they have no chronic medical problems and they're very, very active. And mm-hmm. for most of their life, they've been pretty much pretty healthy, mostly plant-based foods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, I... Uh Similarly, I've been involved in the college, um, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine since 2013. And, you know, I think you probably have shared the same feelings where, you know, we go to our own conferences. You know, I do family practice. You do internal medicine. And, you know, you do the, you know, for our audience members, you know, we do these, we pursue these conferences as part of our continuing medical education. It's part of how we um, continue to be updated and um, how we continue learning. And uh, for me, at least, you know, I didn't feel like I kind of made it home, quote unquote, until I ended up going to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine because I felt like, wow, there's a huge environment, a huge family of very, very like-minded people who are just as passionate about, you know, just really fixing up the foundation of our healthcare, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you said about nutrition, moving more and things like that, but having this wealth and body of uh, evidence and research. So I just felt like home. Going more on, you know, about your story, um, where is your family originally from? And can you talk about, you know, a little bit of growing up, you know, uh, what specific foods um, you, uh, you ate and stuff like that? And how is it different than um, the American cuisine, because I see, I think that your family's originally from Bermuda, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, my family's in Bermuda, and that's where I grew up, and I moved away for college, essentially. But I still go back at least once or twice a year, and they visit me pretty frequently. Two things that kind of affected my diet. In Bermuda, we don't really have that much fast food. We never really consider fast food a meal. So when I came to the U.S., and there was fast food restaurants and people would go to fast food to eat, my mindset was thinking that's not real food mm. because we think of food as being something that's cooked, you know, right? Mm. Um, back then I was eating chicken, macaroni and cheese, uh, steak, fish, you know, that was considered food to me. And then also I'm Seventh-day Adventist and I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. And so mm. traditionally they're focused on health and majority tend to be vegetarian or at least health focused. So that background also kind of influences my dietary patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely. My mom, my mom is, is, like, is extremely healthy. I mean, she eats whole grains. She makes all of her, her breads, her cereals. 
She doesn't eat any added sugars, no junk food. I've never seen my mom eat any fried food, like, ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So, so going off of that, you know, um, I'm sure, what was it like, you know, when you were pursuing your college studies and your medical studies and when you first started counseling patients? So it's almost like it's different because, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes other people's stories are, you know, I, you know, I personally dealt with, you know, this health issue or I had to lose a lot of weight or, you know, things like that, right? It doesn't seem like that was your path growing up <clears throat> because you've had a lot of um, foundations, uh, some pillars that, you know, already, you know, propelled you towards, you know, eating healthy and being in a healthful uh, uh, lifestyle, right? So what was it like, you know, for you, it was automatic, it sounds like, right? So what was it like when you first counseled your patients? And most of them were eating um, from the sad diet, the standard American diet and processed meats and processed, you know, fats and oils. And, you know, just really, they all considered fast food as meals. Like, was that challenging for you um, in terms of counseling them? And, you know, what, what, were, what were some things that, you know, you had to kind of implement for yourself to be able to help these people? Yeah, so some people are motivated by hearing someone else's personal experience. So sometimes I would share another patient experience. It may not have been a patient that I took care of, but someone that I met at a conference or an individual. I would share an individual story, even though I don't have a particular health challenge that I overcame. Or I would share information with them because part of it is the lack of information. The general medical community is either not aware of or they're not talking about lifestyle medicine and nutrition Mm -hmm. in the way Mm -hmm. that lifestyle medicine doctors do. So typically when you come into the visit, you're going to get a prescription, you're going to get a refill, but you're not going to get much conversation about your food. So I found that my patients, when I did primary care, I'm working as a hospitalist right now, but in primary care, they were always surprised that I would talk about their diet because they weren't expecting it. And they weren't used to having that. And some of them were mm-hmm. taken aback and almost offended uh, because mm-hmm. they just weren't ready for it. Some of them just wanted to get the prescription. So I did find that to be a bit of a challenge, but I think I tend to make it as simple as possible. And I ask my patients, how many fruits and vegetables do they eat a day? And mm-hmm. I found across the board that most people are only eating one or two. So I would encourage them to eat more. But it's hard when the, the, the main voice that we're hearing is not telling patients that chronic disease can be prevented and in some cases reversed. Yeah. So, um, you know, for us, it's, you know, we're, you know, that's why this college was started. Um, you know, it's really, it is very sad. You know, things like this or things that you and I know, you know, reading the evidence is, you know, should be headlining news. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, we have to keep, putting that into the consciousness um, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where social media uh, lends the voice for us uh, a little bit better, you know, um, and for us to kind of get our uh, news out there. 
Um, especially, you know, we're fighting a lot of health claims and pseudoscience, you know, I don't know about, mm -hmm. you know, for you, um, Judy, but like for me, it's always, you know, almost every other patient comes in saying, Hey, you know, I, I was, you know, had these list of symptoms and I looked online and, you know, and it, it told me I had this or, so you, you fight a lot of pseudoscience. My um my curiosity is um you do hospital medicine, right? Can you share with the um audience members, you know, uh, tell them what is hospital medicine for those who do not know? And my follow-up question is how do you impart lifestyle changes, you know, um if at all, you know, during your uh, uh shifts uh, for hospital medicine because it's um it's a very fast-paced environment. Um it's really, you know, people, really to cater to people who are sick and kind of get them stabilized and move them on their way to primary care um, uh, as a follow-up visit. But I'm curious on, you know, what is it, you know, for our audience and how do you impart uh, lifestyle changes and education for them? Sure. So, so hospital medicine is a field of general internal medicine where we treat and manage patients in the inpatient setting. So when a patient comes emergency room with symptoms, for example, chest pain, and the emergency room determines that they're not able to go home and they need further management and to be admitted, then that's when they call us and we coordinate the care with the specialists and order other testing and medications and whatever that patient needs. And have you uh, found it a challenge um, to implement, you know, lifestyle counseling into your settings? I actually find that I have more time to do it in the hospital setting and also that the patients are more open to it because they're coming in with an acute event typically. So if they're coming in with a stroke, complications from diabetes, complications from cardiac issues, mm -hmm. that's a time when they're more open to be willing to hear about dietary and lifestyle changes. And some of them initiate the conversation themselves. They will say, oh, I'm mm. going to stop smoking now, or I'm going to start exercising. So sometimes they will bring it up themselves, and then that kind of opens the door for me to have a conversation. So it depends on what they're coming in for, but I find it actually works out pretty well. And when you're seeing the patient for the few days in a row, and then you're also discharging them. You're mm -hmm. seeing them for a several times, so you can kind of reiterate. And then mm -hmm. sometimes when you're going into the room, the person may be eating. So then you can kind of have a conversation, and you notice what's <laughs> on their plate. <laughs> that's a great. That's a that's a great way to insert yourself. <laughs> yeah, indirectly, not like directly. So there's different opportunities. You have to be uh, creative, I think, and just mm -hmm. try and use as many opportunities as you can. I don't address it with every patient, and mm -hmm. not every patient is open and interested. Mm -hmm. I had a patient the other day that was coming in for something, um, and they had diabetes. And I spoke to them for a considerable while about plant-based nutrition and diet, and they were aware that if they ate better, the numbers could improve and they could get better, but they said that they just didn't have time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for me, so I work mostly on an outpatient setting. And what that means is it's mainly outside of the hospital, you know, working at a clinic where you have more formal sessions of one-on-one -on -one counseling, right? And so I have 
I have this uh, setup already there. Um, in a hospital setting, um, you know, I don't do hospital medicine, but, you know, when we are training, we have to go through the hospitals, the wards to be able to, you know, uh, to be able to train yourself, you know, more on acute care. And what I find is that, you know, there are opportunities, there's actually many opportunities to be able to insert, um, you know, lifestyle changes within that setting. The issue comes from my experiences where, you know, most people, sometimes people would come in, patients would come in, you know, not having a primary care doc. Sometimes they'll treat an emergency room as a, you know, primary care office. They get admitted. And then when they go home, you have no idea whether they're going to follow up with a uh, primary care doctor or not. So in that aspect, it actually, you know, I'm sure you would feel, you know, it's actually very important and paramount to be able to share as much as you can about uh, nutritional information and lifestyle changes. So going more into uh, deeper a little bit with it, um, you know, with the background that you have, tell, tell us um, why do you, what is the importance between, you know, this intersection of food and nutrition uh, from a medical perspective? And what have you found, uh, following off after that, what have you found are the uh, biggest misconceptions from what we perceive it to be with nutrition? I think if I had one thing that I would say what's key to optimal health, I would say it's food over the most important thing. And I say that because everybody does it. Everybody does it three times a day. And we spend a considerable amount of time eating. A lot of our social interactions are around food. Every event that you go to has food involved. Mm -hmm. So food definitely is an integral part of our day-to-day lives. So one favorite quote that I have is food as medicine or let food be thy medicine, which sort of means that if you put things in your body that's going to be health-promoting, then you would decrease your risk of chronic disease. If you put things in your body that's not health-promoting, then you're going to have the opposite results. And I think... One misconception that I find people have is that they don't see the importance of food and they tend to want to exercise and not focus on the food. But you can't out-exercise a bad diet. So the diet, Mm -hmm. I think, has to change first before the exercise goes. And I think sometimes what people do is they exercise and they sort of use it as an excuse or it gives them a pass in their mind mm-hmm. to then go and eat something healthy. Or yeah, yeah. or or just eat your or just eat anything that they want, you know, because they you know, like run it off or, you know, do something about it. So um yeah, I agree with you. I think that food um, you know, is it, it does make up a large majority of what you can actually influence. Um, exercise, you know, the, you know, we, we, yes, it's important to exercise our heart. It's important to maintain muscle, um, you know, and to be able to, you know, increase your heart rate. But food, there's just so many different pathways to influence the body, you know, whether it's positively or negatively. So, um, so I agree with you totally. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So I I love it um, to kind of hear about my guests in terms of how they have you know thrived over years. And um, you know you and I uh, first met uh, actually at the uh, one of the 
parent, uh, you know, lifestyle conferences, not, not at ACLM, but, you know, in um, the Institute for Lifestyle Medicine. And um, I just love, you know, just the energy that you give off. What has made you, you know, thrive, you know, over the years? And uh, from that, is there, is there three tips that you can give to our audience members? I call them, you know, my three uh, to thrive, you know, three tips that you can share uh, for our audience members to be able to improve their lives uh, right now. Absolutely. I would love to share three tips that I use to thrive. So the first one I would say is make plants the star of your plate. So anytime I'm eating or choosing foods, I keep the phrase food as medicine in the back of my mind, and I consciously choose foods that I know are going to be healthier. So if I'm at a restaurant and I have a choice between French fries as a side or a vegetable, I would opt to get the vegetable. If I have a mm-hmm. choice between getting a drink or soda, I would choose water. So every single time that I eat, put something in my mouth, I try and be conscious of what are the health consequences of eating this. And instead of thinking of junk food or unhealthy food as a treat, many people think of it as, I think of, and it sounds weird, but I think of healthy food as a treat mm-hmm. because it makes me feel good now in the moment, but it's sort of like almost a delayed gratification because I know mm. that down the road it's going to make me feel good. So when I get 60, I don't anticipate needing to walk around with a cane. I anticipate still being able to be pretty active and to still be in my right mind. So I have this long-range image in my mind of what I want my retirement years to look like. Mm-hmm, and I make mm-hmm. choices now that will increase my chances of being able to do that because I don't want to be debilitated. That's something that yeah. I really just don't want. So making plants the star of your plate and making food choices with your health in mind and not just solely based upon your taste buds. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is to always, as much as possible, present my authentic self or being true to myself. I think sometimes people present different images to the world of how they feel other people want them to be perceived, mm-hmm. and they're not really true and honest with themselves. And when it comes to behavioral change and lifestyle, the first thing that you have to be is honest with yourself. You have to be honest and say, yeah. you know what? I don't really want to change. I don't have the energy right now. I'm stressed out with X, Y, Z. It's not mm-hmm. a priority. And so just being honest with yourself, at least, if you're not going to be honest with anyone else, being honest about your motives and, um, and what you really want out of life, out of a job, out of relationships, yeah. I think that's very helpful to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That way you're not going to be influenced by other people's opinions of yourself. And the third thing for me is having a spiritual connection with a higher power. So for me, I'm a Christian, and I believe that there is a God. And so I find that having that spiritual connection helps me to keep things in perspective when things are getting difficult in life and I'm Mm -hmm. feeling stressed out or having some kind of unfortunate circumstance going on. Having that belief that there's a being out there that is looking out for me or that has my life in control is comforting to me. So I would say that those are the three things that I use to thrive. And 
I don't think that I would be where I am today if I didn't incorporate all of those into my daily life. So hopefully mm-hmm. those are useful and that your listeners can take some of those away and try them out and see if it works for them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate um, you sharing, you know, what has worked for you, what have you honed, what have you reinforced over time? Because it's really about, yeah, I think we all inherently know the knowledge of what makes us better, what makes us, you know, uh, feel good, uh, what makes us move well, what makes us in the right mindset, right? But I think Mm -hmm. it's also about the practice, you know, like when you go to church, for example, it's the practice of going to church or, you know, having a prayer, for example, you know, many people, you know, religious, but may not necessarily go to church or, you know, just having a practice and having a practice of, you know, eating the right thing. So it's not, you know, it's not really about guilt or blame. It's really about, you know, the baby steps and honing in and all that stuff. So I love it. Um, Judy, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. If the audience members are interested in looking you up, where they, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Plant Based MD, and I have a Facebook page called the Plant Based MD, and my website blog is theplantbasedmd.com. So they can find me on any social media platforms. I post regularly about health and wellness plant-based nutrition, and ways that people can optimize their health and live better and thrive. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. Okay, guys. Well, this has been another episode of Thrive Bites. Um, if you like this, please follow and subscribe. Um, we are here uh, every week on uh, Wednesdays. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Judy. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care, everyone. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.